0: The Playful Psychologist podcast is hosted by me, Emily Hanlon, a clinical psychologist who primarily works with children and adolescents. This podcast has been designed to offer support to new psychologists who may feel as though they are drowning in uncertainty. It has also been designed to inform and educate parents and teachers on all things child development, Along with some special guests, I explore different aspects of child development, including developmental disorders and emotional regulation, while also advocating for those who may be falling through the cracks in our current system. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Playful Psychology Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about school psychology. So many people, like I find on Instagram when I do a Q&A and that sort of thing, so many people really don't, Know or maybe misunderstand what the role of a school psychologist kind of entails. So I thought, what better way to explore this topic than to chat to one? So um, today I've got Ali with me. Ali, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, do you want to like share a little bit about yourself and what you do and all of that? Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Emily, for having me. I've been a
1: long term fan of the Playful Psychologist and used a lot of your resources. So it's um, my absolute pleasure. Uh, yes, I'm a school psychologist. I've been working for about five years um, and yeah, it's the best career in the
0: world. Yeah. i excited to talk about it today. Awesome. Um, So I guess like do you work primarily with like primary school age kids, senior school or is it like a mix of both?
1: Uh, it's always been a mix. So every uh-huh. year is different. I get um, allocated different schools every year. At okay. the moment I've been working a lot with adolescents. Okay. Uh, but Yes, across the lifespan. Okay. Of, of young do you kids. get
0: like a say in in the ages or not really? It's kind of just like you get what you're given.
1: Uh, <laughs> get what you're given. Nah, we do request. I do. Uh, I really like the older older kids. Okay. But I have been, I have been missing the younger ones because I feel like they just always say silly things and kind of bring a joy to your to your work yeah. day. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. the benefit. Keep you on
1: your toes. Ages. Yes. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Um. Okay. So, why don't we start off with like the question that I think is on everyone's mind? And again, like I said, I think a lot of people have a misrepresentation of what school psychology is. So, like, what is Mm. a school psychologist? What are the roles of a school psychologist?
1: So many. Mm -hmm. So we're we're primarily we're a consultant service to schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, We work as a service to schools in improving the educational outcomes for young Mm -hmm. people. So that might look really different day-to-day. It could be that we're providing counselling service to young people. It could be that we're educating staff uh, in the workshops or consulting space. Same with parents with workshops and consulting space. Um, Yeah, it's really, really varied and, uh, yeah, across Mm -hmm. behaviour, mental health Incident management, Mm. learning, all sorts of presentations.
0: Mm -hmm. So I, so my last semester of my um, like clinical masters, I did my Mm. like, one of my externships was at a primary school and there were so many things I loved about it. But the one thing that I personally really, really struggled with was that Mm. because I was seeing so many kids at school, I didn't really feel like I had the chance to communicate with parents a lot um, because the Mm. service was at the school and it wasn't like you were seeing the parents while they were dropping off the child or when they were picking up. It was like if you could catch them for a phone call or an email. Is that something that like you struggle to navigate or is that just the nature of the job now and you you kind of just do what you can do?
1: Yeah, sometimes. I think with uh, everyone's work days, it's Mm. We're usually working in their working hours, so it can mm. be a little bit difficult to sit down with families, but I would always prefer to sit down with families face-to-face yeah. face if I can and really get get everyone in the room all together, all yeah. stakeholders, because yeah. I think having everyone all together working as a team for a young person is super powerful mm. and that's when we get really great outcomes for kids. Um, so, yeah, it can be a little bit tricky, um, but advocating for that case conferencing kind of model is is yeah the best way to go.
0: Yeah Yeah, I love that case conference model is just like top tier in my books as well I think Mm. it's so important and sometimes I actually wish like oh shit like I wish I worked in the school or could be a fly on the wall just so I could see exactly what's going on because sometimes like if they're if you don't have the Advantage of having like a school psychologist on the team, you're kind of relying mm-hmm. on like secondhand information sometimes, and and things get lost, yeah. and and people are saying things with their teacher hat on or their parent hat on, but not necessarily their mm-hmm. psychology hat on. So I think in that regard, mm-hmm. if you um, have the luxury of working with a school psychologist, I think it can be the best thing because I think sometimes people worry that like, oh well, if you're seeing an external psych, you don't necessarily have to be seeing. The school psych as well. But I think Mm. sometimes, do you agree? I don't, this is just me spitballing, but sometimes I agree that it can be a good advantage to have both.
1: Yeah, as long as you're sticking to, you know, ethical guidelines and you're not doubling work in really complex cases, that's Mm. often what's needed. Is sometimes, especially, you know, if someone's got something going on for them that is impacting their functioning, which is, you know, that's what we look at in psychology when, when we're looking at more disorders and. Um, really significant difficulties mm. then they're often not coming to school yeah so getting a school psychologist on board if you're an external psych and 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 kind of you know collaborating together what can we do to be able to get them back to school mm. is so beneficial for that young person and, and then they've got an advocate on the ground when they do come back yeah um, but yeah it, it's it depends on each case sometimes I just go oh, no, it's really only suitable for them to be seeing that external yeah. psych at the moment. I don't have totally. anything to value add. But when it's those complex issues, 100%. 100.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Now, I'm throwing a bit of a curveball here because this isn't a question I told you I was going to ask you. So if you don't want to answer it, let me know and I'll edit it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you mentioned just then school refusal, right? And yeah. I um, clinically, like in my work, have seen like a big rise in school refusal in adolescents. Um I think as well since COVID, I think like, COVID, COVID yeah, it kind of like made a lot of kids realize that they were a lot happier at home, I think. And so transitioning back into the school environment was really, really hard for them. Is that something that you're noticing? um, Like in your work?
1: Yeah, I, I get where they're coming from. And, I mean, it's sort of like us as adults as well yeah. because if we were given the opportunity to work from home, a lot of adults are going, well, why would I come back? I can do my whole job. <laughs> and the kids have that mentality too and often will say to me, why would I come back? Like yeah. I can do everything here. They can send me the things. I know they can send me yeah. all the content. Yeah, <laughs> it. It's like <laughs> we really <laughs> shot
0: ourselves in the foot. Like they know what they can get away with now.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I respect that though because I'm like, yeah, Touche, like good point, but um, yeah, it's so important to get them back into school. Yeah,
0: I agree. So,
1: that's so I funny. I didn't even out,
0: I think. Realized. Oh, that's all right. Um, yeah. I didn't even think of it till like literally just as you were talking that most adults still aren't back in the office five days a week. Yes. Like we as adults haven't fully quote unquote recovered or like adjusted back to pre-COVID times. But we expected kids mm-hmm. to go from like complete learning at home to complete. School, like mm-hmm. in a t- in, you know, um, in person schooling, so yeah, that's like they just had that revelation. <laughs> then I'm like, that's a lot. And if we as adults haven't yeah. even navigated that yet, like it is a little bit unfair, I guess, for us to expect them to navigate that so quickly.
1: And that anxiety avoidance cycle, as we know, with school mm. refusal is so strong, mm. and um, you get so much relief from just avoiding that thing that's making oh, you feel anxious, so it. Yeah, it, it's it's a beast. It's a beast of a presentation to work
0: with.
1: Mm. Um, but one of the most common that I yeah. do definitely. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. I think yeah, I agree. I think it's one of the trickiest things. Like when I see the referral coming for school refusal, I'm like, oh boy, like here we go. What's going on now? I think as well because it's not like. Like school refusal is the behaviour, right? So it's driven by something and more often than not that's anxiety. But the core reason for that anxiety is so different. So it's not like you can work with one. If you've worked with one child with school refusal, it's not like you have the manual and you're ready to go for the next one. It can change every single time and I think that's what is tricky about it, like getting to the core issues and then going from there. I think that can be really tricky.
1: And getting in as early as possible because yeah. I, I see so many times I've got this kind of frame, <laughs> this two-week mark in my brain that if I've got a kid that's been away for two weeks or more, yeah. I start to get a bit worried Yeah, because I know that it's going to be so much more difficult to get them back. Yeah. I don't know what the research is, but that's just in my experience. That makes a lot of sense. In two weeks, I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. Um, it's going to be a bit of a harder route to get them back and, I, I really feel for the families that are dealing with those really difficult behaviours mm. at home um, and it breaks their heart quite a lot because yeah. they're, they're trying their best to get them back. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky space. Yeah,
0: totally. Okay, so back on track now. Sorry about that. <laughs> Just wanted to, to quickly <laughs> touch on that topic where you brought it up. Um, so how would school psychology, do? You, like in your opinion, as a school psychologist, how does that differ to a psychologist working in private practice?
1: So, depending on who you work for, because school yeah. psychology, it's very, very different across the state. Yeah. Uh, it's different across uh, private, public school systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the funding and the level of time that you're actually given to mm. be in a school can be drastically different some of us work full-time mm-hmm. uh some of us only work you know a day some of us work a day a month in a school you know mm-hmm. so the limitations are definitely there for what what we can do and when you're servicing a school of you know 900 kids mm-hmm. it can be really tricky to prioritize who, who you're seeing and, and set up those say our yeah. uh, students at education risk so that you know that you're getting the students at the real tippy end that really need that support. Yeah. Um, the other difference is I would say the variation of work, but I guess a lot of private practice psychs would, would say they have a lot of variance. Mm. It's the opportunities to be able to to work with staff, to work with
0: yeah. parents
1: and to do that kind of training mm. and also a lot of organisational psychology uh, There's a lot of that in there, you know, upskilling in processes and and things like that. So it's really varied and really broad, which is part of the reason why I love it. Yeah. Um, And we get access to a lot of assessments usually. That was going to be my next
0: question because like so many times as well, like and i and i fully appreciate it. so in the system that you're currently working in if a child needs like a cognitive assessment for example like a wisc is mm. that something that the school pays for or are the parents expected to pay for that
1: well i guess if you look at it really it's the school mm-hmm. paying for or funding for it because the school or the the system the uh yeah the system that you're working for funds school psychologists yeah So in that sense, the school is paying for it. We are a service to schools. Mm. So it is technically free for families. Yeah. Those kinds of assessments, as you know, are time consuming.
0: Yeah, very. So
1: it can, the the prioritising, having those assessments done is a discussion. It's a discussion with the family, discussion with the school. uh, If if the school psychologist has enough time to be able to do it, Mm. Uh, they certainly get done. But. We're not exclusively assessment, assessment clinicians. Yeah. So yeah. You, can go, you can go and get a, it's almost like a pay-for-service psychologist yeah. who does those kinds of assessments, mm. which, you know, has, has some ethical questions around it as well. Um, every psychologist needs to make their own decision about yeah. what assessment tools are appropriate. Yeah. So sometimes it is a little bit tricky, that balancing act of parents gone to paediatrician, paediatrician said, we need a cognitive assessment, which might, mm. they might certainly need, but the individual psychologist needs to come to that decision with their formulation. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. It, it's I a often... very difficult
0: yeah, sorry, thing to go. explain. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: very, it's easy to explain to another psych, but to, to families, it's a really difficult thing to explain.
0: Totally. Because I often, so like I get calls from schools all the time saying like, hey, how much, like we, we have like, 10 kids that need cognitive assessment, our school psychologist or whoever is totally at capacity or we don't have a school psychologist, how much will it cost for you to come in and do all these assessments? And I'm like, well, this is the cost, but, like, what's the outcome that you guys are expecting? Like, are we just like casting a wide fishing net here. Like what and that can be that is what I find to be one of the trickiest things going into schools as a private practice psychologist. Yeah. Because I feel like I I'm kind of going in a little bit blind at times. And but it's not because like it's it's almost like I'm expected to just go in and, and figure it out. And I think sometimes I think like that must be really hard if you are the school psychologist. And like people are just almost like barking what they need from you. And you're like, well no, my expertise will guide me to figure out exactly what we need to it, do here
1: it is so tricky I, I try to use the example of you don't go to a doctor and say I want an MRI yeah the doctor has to make the decision
0: yeah that's to- a really good way of looking at it
1: so it's yeah it, it's a difficult it's a difficult conversation mm. um and but really the data that we can get on a school level is insane like we yeah. can get so much data Kids. We've got access to being able to observe them. Observed. So, yeah, yeah I'm so about, jealous in that regard. <laughs> if you're talking about the difference between private and, and school psych, like we we've got so much data at our at our fingertips from the yeah. get go. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, yeah. Our our report writing it c- it can take even longer sometimes because you're going through even more You've data. Too much, much. Yeah. If you were coming in and. Like, yeah, there's too cool. much data. Too much time. um to
0: be yeah to go through it also yeah Mm, yeah totally um okay so other than that then what would you say are the biggest challenges that you as a school psychologist face yeah
1: I think I sort of touched on it before it's your you have multiple stakeholders coming to you with what they think a young person needs
0: yeah
1: um so you've got you might Parents or family members coming in, you've got teachers saying, you know, it's this or that, mm-hmm. uh, and then you might have pediatricians or external agencies saying, I need this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. And it's being able to take all of that on board, look at all of your data, because we are scientists, practitioners, mm-hmm. you know, that's our that's for core business so mm. we need to be able to take all that stuff together collate it all and then come up with our own formulation mm. and in the school setting it can be really difficult to to do that yeah. and be granted the time to do that because mm-hmm. schools are incredibly fast-paced systems totally, yeah. um, there are so much stress and they're under uh, I mean we all know <laughs> we all know mm. what teachers oh, are yeah. through and um, you're working within terms as well whether it's 10 week or, or whatever school you're working in and whatever state you're working in usually about a 10 week term and and it's just it's all go so it's yeah. it is hard trying to be a psych and being loyal to your psych roots yeah. when you're the only, you're kind of like a lone wolf in a school and yeah and having to Please everyone, and and but not only please everyone. Make sure that it's the right thing for the child.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're so right as well. Like I think in private practice, you're a bit, in most scenarios, not all, there are lots of solo practitioners, but in most scenarios, you're spoilt for choice in that, like you can quickly run into someone else's office and spitball ideas mm-hmm. or there's an OT or a speechie that you can quickly run things by and have like a really mm-hmm. random, quick five-minute case conference, you know, without having to book yeah. it in months in advance, whereas often a school psychologist, there's one or two on staff and they're not on the same days. Mm-hmm. So that must be really yeah. hard to kind of like navigate because, like you said, everyone else is a teacher. Everyone else has got their connections, but you don't.
1: Yeah, and they speak a different language, right? Like totally. teachers have a completely different education to us, um, mm. which is why we have school psychologists in schools, yeah. so that we can be that consultant service. But also you're both speaking different languages. So being able to communicate that across is uh, it's an art, and that's something yeah. that I don't think we ever get good at. And I yeah. certainly don't think I'm amazing at it. Yeah. But you... build upon and it's a skill that you're constantly building upon and yeah it is it's it's a real it's a big challenge yeah for sure
0: sure. okay well what are then like just before we finish up what are like if you could like you had like a minute to explain to someone like the benefits of school psychology or whatever it is like you had a minute to change their mind what are three things that you wish people knew about school psychology
1: uh I think each one of us is really different and we have yeah. different strengths um, and different approaches just like any other psych. So that part is really important. I think if you've met one school psychologist, you've met one school psychologist. Totally. We're all working towards this, the same goal. That yeah. can all be really, really different. Yeah. Um, if I was talking to uh, like a provisional psychologist or a graduate, I mm-hmm. often say uh, don't underestimate the career because we get to work with a really broad range of presenting issues mm-hmm. and the yeah the presentations that we get exposed to are, are, are awesome yeah I think a lot of people think oh I have to go into ClinSec psych and really specific areas to see those kinds of things like you don't it's it's, yeah, it's there totally so that kind of exposure to, to different presentations and, and different kinds of work like I was saying like organizational psychology and assessments and counseling it's all in one yeah so that's really cool and yeah I guess we're not to be underestimated Mm. I think a lot of people think either do a lot of cognitive assessments and we just churn those out and diagnose dyslexia or we only work on you know anxiety and and depressive presentations and and it's very initial kind of solution focused kind of work yeah but some. Some school psychologists that I've met are doing amazing things, and yeah. it's um, the influence and the the good work that they're doing is yeah. yeah not to be underrated.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a really good point, point. and I think as well, you're right. Like, I think there is this common misconception that like a lot of school psychs, it's like just like a band aid work or like quickly doing assessments and then like on to the next sort of thing. And like, while I guess maybe some people do practice in that way. That's not everyone. And it's also not reflective of like the the pressure that you guys are under to actually like make Mm -hmm. a difference in a very short amount of time. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's tricky. It's tricky, but it's fun. Mm. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I, I think as well, like, I love how you said, you do get a really varied kind of like presentation. It's not the same thing over and over again. And I think that's really cool for someone that, you know, for provisional sucks to hear or or new grads that are trying to figure out what their next step is. I think that's a really important message to drive home as well.
1: I think it's a great initial career. I know a lot of people go into school psychology straight out of uni because they see it as a, as a, as a good initial pathway. And it certainly is close to so much, but there's a lot of us that stay and stay Mm. forever. So, yeah, Yeah. it's it's a great career
0: no that's awesome Ali thank you so 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 much for chatting to us I think this is going to be really um, like insightful like I said for new grads um, who are trying to figure out uh, whether this may be a career they want but also for the general public like if there are parents listening so they can better understand like if their child may be referred to a school psychologist what they can expect and what might you know the processes might be like so thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us
1: no worries, thank you. And yeah, if anyone's out there and you're not sure if you've got a school psych at your school or if they could help, just ask the question. Mm. Advocate for yourself. Any private psychs? If you're like, oh, I don't know if a school psych might be working with this kid, just call the school call and the ask. School. I'm always have yeah. to
0: collaborate. Yeah, yeah totally. that's it. Just call. like you never know if you don't ask.
1: Yeah, and collaborating mm. for our kids is 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 the best thing for them. So, totally. yeah.
0: Thank, thank you. So you. Much.